Welcome aboard, friends. This is episode 1128 of the Juicebox podcast. Today I'll be speaking with Gregory. He is the father of a child with type 1 diabetes. His son Xander was just about 9 years old when this was recorded. Speaking of when this was recorded, Gregory is an engineer on a commercial class fishing vessel. So when we recorded this, he was about 100 miles off the coast of Alaska, which I thought was uh, pretty cool. Found the podcast through his mother and says it changed his life. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you're looking for management help, check out the Diabetes Pro Tip series at episode 1000. It runs from episode 1000 to 1025. And if you're newly diagnosed, perhaps the Bold Beginning series would be a way for you to start. Look in the Feature tab of the private Facebook group for a list or at the top of juiceboxpodcast.com. Or you can just search your audio app for Juicebox Podcast Bold Beginnings. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. Hi, my name is Gregory, and I'm the father of a type one. Gregory, we're going to jump right in and find out you are doing this from work. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, from work. Yeah. Where do you work? Uh, well, I, I'm a merchant mariner, which means uh, that I sail on um, ships, you know, not uh, military ships, just regular old industrial commercial class ships. But the one that I'm on right now is a commercial fishing vessel. We're currently about 100 miles off the coast of Alaska, and we're, we're fishing. Are you, now, is it, do you fish with nets or cages, or how does that work? Uh, no, we just have a bunch of dudes on the back deck with fishing poles, and, and uh, we do the best we can. <laughs> Wait a minute. That can't be right. You're making... uh, no. We're... <laughs> <laughs> so every time I eat a shrimp, one guy brought it in on a hook? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Very tiny hooks. You know, we put a whole bunch of them on a line. And, you know, I'm not sure what we'd use for bait for shrimp, because usually shrimp is bait, isn't it? So what do you do do on the (laughs) um, what do you do on the ship? Uh, Well, I'm an engineer, uh, so I I don't do the fishing. And it is with nets, by the way. Mm -hmm. I was just joking around. So we have this this enormous net and it's kind of shaped like a funnel. And we just come along and we scoop up entire schools of ship of uh, fish at a time. Wow. But I'm an engineer, so I just fix the stuff. Uh, we actually have a, a motto in the engine room here. It's in Latin. I don't remember the whole thing, but uh, we keep them fishing in spite of them because they just like to break stuff all the time. <laughs> and so it keeps me busy. <laughs> now, are you turning the wrench or are you pointing to the thing that needs to be turned? Uh, a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I've I've been a wrench turner for quite a number of years, but I got to the point now where I, I don't have to turn the wrench quite as often as I used to. I still want to. It feels weird. But now I'm, you know, training the next big wrench. And I just get to stand there and look proud. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right. So you 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 were gone for a second there, but we're gonna obviously 
uh, we're going to have to expect that since you're, uh, did you say 100 miles offshore? Yeah, 100 miles off the coast of Alaska right now. Um, your your internet is still amazing. So <laughs> anybody else who's oh, like... Yeah. You can thank Elon Musk for that one. Oh, is it Starlink you're using? Yeah. Wow, that sounds amazing. It really does sound good. It's it's incredible. I mean, considering, you know, you row a boat eight, eight, I don't know, eight times and leave the shore and your cell phone won't work anymore. So um, it's pretty yeah. crazy. Uh, other questions about your job. So do you work just for the ship you're on right now or do you kind of freelance or are you with a company and you move around? Uh, I work just for the ship that I'm on right now. Uh, there are other aspects of the industry where you could do those other things. Uh, I've done that a bit in the past, uh, but I prefer to just stick to, to one vessel. It's easier to schedule that way. You know, you can kind of count on when you're coming and going mm -hmm. and getting familiar with one particular vessel is a lot easier, you know, cause you don't have to start over all the time. Yeah, sure. How long are you gone for when you leave? Uh, it fluctuates uh, with this company. It's between two and two and a half months at a time. Uh, the company I was with prior to this, it was 35 days at a time. And then the company I was with prior to that, uh, was 28 days at a time. And how many times a year do you do that? Oh, well, as many times as you get them in. <laughs> but, uh, when I first started out, you know, I averaged out like roughly eight, nine months out of the year I was at work, uh, which was not fun. Yeah. And now I've gotten to a point where it averages out at six months a year. So at this two, two and a half month deal, I'd go out twice and then that would be the bit for the year. How do you um, even find a woman, let alone make a baby when that's your schedule? Uh, you have to be very fast. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Gregory. Yeah. We're getting married. <laughs> yeah. I have it. I got to go. Yeah, it's, I got to go to work. Uh, I mean, you do find some time. Uh, it's, it's not easy. They... They say if you're not on your third divorce by the time you make chief engineer, you're not doing it right. Uh-huh. You know. Uh so I've only got the one, but you know. You you have been you have been divorced once? Oh yeah, I've uh divorced from the mother of my child. I see. And was it because of the job? No, no, actually the the job really wasn't an issue. It was just uh we didn't get along. Let's let's put it that way. <laughs> I was dying for you to go. No, I'm just a dick. <laughs> That's what, I, that's what I wanted you to say so badly. Uh, okay, so I try. I, I mean, sometimes, but I try not to be. <laughs> okay, so with your first wife, you have your child who has type one. Correct. How old's your child? Right now, he's eight, but he'll be nine in September. Are we going to use his name or no? Yeah, we can use it. Okay. His name is Xander. Oh, nice. Hi, Xander. <laughs> Xander's eight, going to be nine. How old was he when he was diagnosed? Uh, he had just turned six. Okay. So we're almost the three years? Yeah, getting pretty close. Okay. Now, so you're, you have the job you have, plus you're divorced uh, from his mom. Yep. So what's that look like? When are you with him? And were you together at his time of diagnosis? If you take insulin or sulfonylureas, you are at risk for your blood sugar going too low. You need a safety net when it matters most. Be ready with Gvoke HypoPen. My daughter carries Gvoke HypoPen everywhere she goes because it's a ready-to-use rescue pen for treating very low blood sugar in people with diabetes ages 2 and above that I trust. 
Low blood sugar emergencies can happen unexpectedly, and they demand quick action. Luckily, Givoc Hypopen can be administered in two simple steps, even by yourself in certain situations. Show those around you where you store Givoc Hypopen and how to use it. They need to know how to use Givoc Hypopen before an emergency situation happens. Learn more about why Givoc Hypopen is in Arden's Diabetes Toolkit at givocglucagon.com slash juicebox. Givoc shouldn't be used if you have a tumor in the gland on the top of your kidneys called a pheochromocytoma, or if you have a tumor in your pancreas called an insulinoma. Visit givocglucagon.com slash risk for safety information. Uh, I was at work at his time of diagnosis. It was a couple of days before I was due to come home, uh, and the job that I was working at the time, uh, I could have come home if I wanted to, you know, but she persuaded me that that wasn't an issue and it was only going to be a couple of days. And so I got on the internet <laughs> like you do. And I was there, you know, via Zoom uh, at all the the doctor's appointments, you know, the hospital, the training session. Uh, they emailed me the paperwork. And then when I got home, I tried to hit the gun running. But as you well know, they didn't really tell me very so yeah. it was uh, a rough transition. Uh, fortunately for us, it December, uh, I believe December 12th, and shortly after diagnosis, we went on Christmas break. And so then uh, I had him the entire time. And we were able to concentrate exclusively on figuring this out. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to Google what is a bolus, and Google didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wish you would have and found the defining diabetes. While. I'm so sorry. I, yeah, it would have been nice, yeah, yeah. but go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry. I spoke over you. I didn't mean to. Uh, I, it happens. You know, there's there's a little bit of a delay, too, so I think it might happen a few times. That's okay. I'm figuring it out. I'm getting it. So you are, <laughs> you are not, um, I'm sorry, were you together at that time, or had, were you already divorced? Uh, we were already divorced at that time. Okay. Yeah. I'm really wondering about the feeling of being that far away. Is it just something that you're so used to, or did the news of the diabetes make it more difficult than it normally is? I didn't really feel that far away at the time. So the job that I'm on now, this is this is new. I've uh, never worked Alaska before, but where I've been working uh, in my career prior to this was the Gulf of Mexico, and I knew that I was only you know, at maximum a couple hours away by plane. I didn't fly home for this, but there was another emergency I had a little bit later. And, you know, after I told him like, hey, I got to go, literally the next day, I was on an airplane. Mm -hmm. uh, here it's a little bit different. But being away, it's never really been easy. But, you know, this is the thing that I know how to do. So there's that. And I make enough money to where, I can provide and we can kind of do whatever we want to do. And now that I'm only working six months out of the year on average, when I'm home, like I'm just a stay at home dad, uh, which I'm remembering now question you asked. So the custody arrangement that uh, how we have it written, written currently is I pick him up on the way home from the airport and I drop him off on my way to the airport. I have him hundred percent of the time when I'm home. And she just has him while I'm at work. How does that work for him? Do you think, does he like that? I think he likes it. You know, the, the first 
year or so, I'll say the transitions were hard. Uh, he would cry a little bit when it was time to go to my house or hers. And, you know, he missed us. But I think he's starting to kind of get used to it. I speculate he might enjoy the transition a little bit because my rules don't exactly match up to her rules. And, you know, he gets to do different stuff when he's over there than he does over here. Yeah. So. That sounds. I, I mean, think he likes it, you know, for the most part. It's different. I was just wondering, you know, because there's a long, yeah. long stretches. How did you end up in this profession? Uh, well, I was in a bar. <laughs> Literally, I was. I was in a bar, and I ran into these couple of guys that I knew from high school. Uh, and this was a few years out of high school at that time. And uh, you know, I wasn't making a whole lot of money. I was on a a year off, quote unquote, from from college. I was complaining about the uh, I wasn't making very good money, and, and one of them had this opportunity to go and do uh, do this job in Iowa. Uh, it was a repair work job, and so went out there and. Ended up talking to another friend of mine from high school who knew about maritime. So when that job dried up, I was like, well, how do I go on boats? And, you know, I got licensed to do what I had to do. I ended up um, running into a guy randomly at a mechanic shop who told me that he knew a guy who'd get me hired. And so I packed up my stuff. I hopped in my truck and I drove to Louisiana and crashed on this guy's couch for like a weekend. And, uh, by Monday morning, I had a job washing dishes, and then that turned into another job, which turned into another job, and eventually, here I am, hmm. you know? Then you meet a woman in that bar again a couple of years later? Is that how it goes? The internet. <laughs> I, I found this one on the internet, you know, because <laughs> I can text. I'm pretty good at that. Yeah. You, you, you come off well in texting, do you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Much oh. better than in person. By the way, it's, I, it's a disaster. I hope your current wife didn't hear, hear you say this one <laughs> because <laughs> it does make it feel oh, like well. <laughs> there'll be another one. Oh, <laughs> uh, they're all going to hear this. <laughs> I'm sure that's not what he meant. I was just teasing. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So he's diagnosed. You get home eventually. Um, he goes right to you. So is that difficult right. for your ex because she's not getting the um, information or do you guys have a pretty uh, harmonious situation where you can talk? Uh, not harmonious all the time. Um, but for the most part, you know, I, I uh, do my best, I'm not saying I always succeed, but I do my best. And I really can't speak for how she felt in the moment, but uh, you know, she did drop them off. One detail that I, I failed to mention was that my mom had driven down and was was there in the ER with my son and the ex-wife um, going through all the stuff it was kind of the transition. Uh, you know, she came and stayed with me over the, the Christmas break. And so between the two of us, we kind of figured it out. And that's also how uh, I came to know about the Juicebox podcast, where she found it and sent it to me. And I was like, I don't have time for any podcast. But uh, eventually I did listen. And Literally, you changed everything for me. Like, oh. if if I hadn't listened to the podcast, uh, I don't know where we would be and what we'd be doing. Like, it was a hundred percent the podcast why we've achieved any form of success at all. Oh well, we'll talk about that. But now's the time when I'm going to say you should send me some like I don't know crab legs or something like that. <laughs> uh, if, if only we could. <laughs> if you're feeling that good about it. Uh, by the way, 
because I'm just going to wonder until I ask you, do you like seafood or has the job made you hate it? I do like seafood, uh, which is pretty legit. And the seafood here is phenomenal. Literally, we go, so uh, the cooks can come down and they're just like, I want that fish and that fish and that fish and that fish. And from the time it's caught to the time it's in front of you, it's like two hours. Oh, that sounds wonderful. I tried to explain to somebody, Gregory, who lives in the middle of the country, that the seafood they have is is not really seafood. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, no, that's that's been frozen for a year and you're eating it now. It's terrible. And, and they're yeah. like, no, no, it's good. I'm like, you got to you got to go towards the water once in a while. So, you know what's happening here. Like, go to the coast. Uh, but anyway, that, all yeah. right. I was just going to wonder if it, it had ruined it for you or not the whole time. But let's get back to how terrific I am. You found the podcast and then. <laughs> What happened then? Uh, well, I just started, you know, cherry picking a little bit. I don't remember what day it was. I wish it did. I'm not great with dates, but uh, I just started listening. And then you had just began the Defining Diabetes series. And so I listened to, you know, what was available at that time. And then, you know, every so often, just I'll go on and download six or 12 episodes and, you know, listen to them back to back. And, you know, through you, I've learned about a lot of stuff. Uh, then, incidentally, you know, one of the things that I do is I buy a lot of books. So I had bought Sugar Surfing and I had bought uh, Think Like a Pancreas, but I hadn't made it quite that far down in the stack. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I eventually did read both of those books. And then, you know, I got the GVOC Hypo Pen because of you. You know, we got, oh my God, I'm totally blanking on our. The, the same meter that you use. Oh, the, the contour. The ha. contour. Yeah. Hey, you know what? The people, yeah. at G, the people at Gvoke would like it if you said, "I got Gvoke Hypo Pen." They don't like the word "the" for some reason. It's a. I don't know why. They've never explained it to me properly. Interesting. <laughs> if I could just okay. get the whole world I to got talk G the way Hypo Pen. <laughs> Isn't it awkward? Yeah, it's a little clunky. Oh, Gregory, it took me months to teach myself not to put the word the in front of it. And still, I have trouble remembering. Uh, but anyway, I, one day I'm going to just have a lawyer on here to explain that. I'm, it's going to be a whole episode of why you can't say the. Um, I'm, I'm always stunned by it. So, so, you find, so you're finding meaning to words that you didn't know before. You're finding it about, about tools that you didn't know existed. Like that stuff's valuable did you get any like actual management ideas from the podcast and what was your management style like prior to the podcast uh well i learned about pre-bolus from the podcast they didn't tell us uh about that in the hospital in our little crash course mm -hmm. excuse me uh they did they told us about carb counting they didn't tell us that we could change our our dosing strategies at all they didn't tell us that we could change our dose at all yeah. you know so I, I can specifically remember being terrified. Uh, they, they had told me, this was the day they told me about the 10, 20, 30 rule, which I don't know if it's universal or not. But if he's in the hundreds, you should pre-bullish 10 minutes before. If he's in the uh, 200s, you should do a correction. Actually, they called it a correction dose. 20 minutes before, 300, 30 minutes before. And so I attempted to do that. This was my first correction dose ever. And, you know, I'm terrified. And I did the math wrong. So I gave him, you know, something around four and a half units, and that was not appropriate. And I didn't know what to do after that. <laughs> like, they didn't tell me what to do. And so I'm, like, you know, pushing juice on him and, you know, trying to keep him calm. But, like, I'm just, you know, like, 
DEFCON 1 or, or mm. whatever the highest level is. Like, I'm freaking out. Which, of course, we ended up having this crazy rebound, which I was happy to see because I didn't know if he was going to come up or not. It was it was not fun I, at that time. Gregory, I have to tell you, very surprisingly a moment ago, you said that in the beginning you were making a correction dose and it was scary and you used too much. And I almost cried. I you you brought me <laughs> you you brought me right back to the first night I was home from the hospital with Arden and at like four in the morning I would she needed insulin her blood sugar was going up and I was like I, I have to do something and the panic that I felt like literally just came back in my chest now and that was man a long time ago it was like seventeen years ago and while you were saying it I felt like I was sitting on the floor holding that vial again that's crazy wow. Yeah, I was also sitting on the floor <laughs> holding the vial and holding him and like, dude, it was it was the worst. Yeah. And I'm I try to be a prepared person, you know, in general. Mm-hmm. But like I didn't have any resources. I had you know, I had no idea what I was doing and and you know, I'm not used to that sort of feeling. Gregory, I think if I was twenty eight and on in um and on Instagram a lot, I would say that I have um unresolved trauma that I wasn't aware of. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm 52, so just gave me the willies for a second, and I'll be all right. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh! All right, so, all right, so you're learning, but are you? And and I'm sorry, you said she told me about the podcast, but I wasn't sure if you meant your mother or your ex. Oh yeah, my mom. Okay. Did did your ex find the podcast as well? Yeah, I told her about it. Did do you think she listened? Uh, probably not because you I told mean, her about it a, a couple of times. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she may have tuned in a few times. She doesn't like me. It's okay to say. Uh, I just don't think she likes doing the things that I tell her to do <laughs> or suggest. I understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm married, by the way, and that same thing happens here. So <laughs> if I say it, it's not a real thing. Um, you mentioned that it was not your inclination to begin to listen which I understand completely. Like, I honestly think if someone came to me and said, there's a podcast about diabetes you should listen to, I don't think I would listen to it. But what pushes you over the edge? Like, what happens where you go, well, maybe I'll try this thing I don't, I, I'm not inclined to do? Uh, well, you know, maybe desperation or like, I'll just go into every avenue. But I had this idea in, in my head that podcasts were frivolous. You know, mm-hmm. they're just, I didn't know that there anything of, substance could be on them i yeah. say no i understand i have to be perfectly honest with you i'm a person who's been making a podcast for nine years and i would probably think that still seriously like why would i it's a big assumption that somebody would sit down and put real information into something like this and you know hope that someone finds it etc it's uh it's a leap to me yeah i'm glad that I made the leap, you know, and I was wrong. I'll admit, you know, there is definitely value in podcasts. And, you know, now that we're on the other side, uh, so to speak, I mean, there's it just I don't know where the idea came from, because, I mean, you know, TV can be good and bad. You know, there's there's good programming. There's, there's bad programming out there. But, you know, the thing itself isn't inherently evil. It's just a thing. Yeah. You know, I hear you. Listen, I've heard a lot of bad podcasts, so. I, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I just thought of one. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like someone should sneak into this person's house and steal their microphone. <laughs> like it would be, it would be like 
uh, a public service if they did that. Anyway, uh, yeah. okay. Any autoimmune in the family? None that I know of, which was the other thing I failed to mention. So no type one on my in my family or hers. I have come to learn, and actually it was from you, <laughs> that preeclampsia is is autoimmune. Autoimmune. Is it really? And yeah, you spoke about it. You, you and uh, I don't remember what episode or, but you were speaking to a woman who had preeclampsia, and she had I don't know read some research paper, and you, you had a discussion about it. Yeah, how about that? I forgot I forgot it too. On the basis of these findings, we hypothesize that preeclampsia is a pregnancy-induced autoimmune condition characterized by the presence of disease-causing antigensin receptor-activating autoantibodies. How about that? That's right from the National yep. Institute of Health, and probably the second time in my life I've read that and don't remember the first time I read it. But uh, that's, yeah, no kidding. And your, did your ex have that during the, the, uh, the, yes. yeah, the pregnancy? I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, she did, and her sister did, and her mom did. Wow. How about that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we didn't know it was autoimmune, but, um, you know, she just knew that it ran in her family, and so she, the child that we have together is her first and only child. And so she's like, oh, yeah, this might be a thing. And, you know, turns out that it was, or, yeah. But um, everything turned out fine. Oh, good. Okay. Well, that's, that's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up again. Okay. Yeah. Now, in your note to me, you said that you want to talk about the problem of helping a child with type 1 diabetes when you don't have it yourself. That's a pretty specific thing to say. So I was wondering what made you think that? Uh, well, it's just something that, you know, for one, I find kind of interesting, but, you know, I know that it's something that you could relate to. You know, it's a, a thing that we both have. And actually, I was listening to an episode, uh, one of your podcasts, just the other like uh, yesterday, the day before, and you were talking to, uh, I forgot his name, but anyway, you were talking to a guy who was an adult that uh, got type 1 when he was a kid, and he, and you asked him about, you know, do you think it's less valid uh, listening to a guy who, uh, who doesn't have type 1, you know, as a caregiver, and he's like, oh, no, it's not an issue, and how, like, you want to understand what it's like for a person uh, who has type one and, and how the perspective is different for someone as a caregiver. And what I wanted to tell you is that Dr. Jordan Peterson in his first book, uh, the 12 rules for life, one of the rules is to take care of yourself uh, as if you're someone you're responsible for. And so it's this idea that you take better care of, of your child than you would for yourself is kind of universal, so universal that it's it's you know one of the things he specifically mentions. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it, it feels obvious to me that you should do that, right? But yeah, it, it's um, it gives you a just. I like my perspective on diabetes. Like I, I asked, I think it was Mike. I asked that question to recently. Was it like an algorithm episode? You heard that on maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've been listening to the algorithm episodes a lot lately. Okay. And, yeah. and the reason that that feels very important to me is because I obviously I don't mean any I'm not denigrating anybody, but I've seen a lot of content come from type ones about type one. And I've always thought, oh, their perspective is so I'm going to use the wrong phrase here and then it's going to sound like I'm being harsh, but I'm not. But they're <laughs> they're kind of up their own ass a little bit, if that makes sense. <laughs> Am I using that correctly? 
Um, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and so it, it, it's their perspective is so like me centric that I think they see what's yeah. happening to them, which by the way is completely legitimate, but, but they're, they're seeing what's happening to them and they're feeling how they feel. And so then they have all these human emotions mixed in with it. And that gets in the way of them taking care of themselves, which would happens to me, by the way, like I, yeah, Greg, Greg, everybody. Yeah. Greg, I, I'm getting a toe surgery next week. It's no great shakes mm. to tell you that it's probably not going to be a big deal. I'm going to be under for 45 minutes and my toe is going to be better when it's over. But if you heard me talking about it for the last month, you would think I'm having my brain removed and put into a dog. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that I'm really hoping the dog can survive with my brain and itself because I'm not just, I'm worried about it. I, I think about how it's going to hurt. What am I going to have to do afterwards? What am I going to have to do to care for it? How the hell am I going to take a shower? I'm not allowed to get my foot wet for blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, just on and on and on. I'm up my own ass about this thing. Yeah. If you heard the doctor describe the surgery, you'd say to somebody, I don't even know that it's really surgery. <laughs> it sounds like if they're, they're going to make a small incision on the guy's toe. They're going to like clean out a joint and knock off a bone spur and they're out of there in 45 minutes. Like, do they even need to put yeah. them to sleep for this? You, you, you know, and and so anyway, when this happens in type one, they they put out all this content and the content can feel very scary or a little woe is me sometimes. And it lacks the it lacks a third party perspective. And so yeah. I, I've always thought that that my perspective on this was, you know, unique, obviously. But moreover, it was always a little dispassionate. And I don't mean that in like a, a cold way. I mean, like when you're low, when a person with type one's low and they're in a panic, they can't sit back and, you know, be philosophical about what's happening. And right. I can. And I, and, I, and I thought that that was a valuable perspective. Uh, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, anybody who heard up their own ass and is upset now, I didn't mean it like that. Just relax. <laughs> and by the way, it's always good to tell people to relax. They, they love that. Yeah. It. <laughs> relax calm down always the way to go in interpersonal uh, communication you know i'm thinking you said you're so much better in texting we should have like texted this back and forth and i could just turn the transcript into audio later if, if you would would you that get... would have been legit <laughs> <laughs> if that didn't sound like it would take so much time i well maybe i will try that one time i'm gonna write that down that's a great idea <laughs> Hold a second. Uh, hey, go ahead. Let me know how it works out. Text to speech interview. So I yeah. do. I conduct an entire interview by text, and then I translate it into speech. All right, I'm I'm thinking. Or about um, have an interview with like uh, Bard or Chat GDP, whatever that GPT. Is. Yeah, is that it? GPT, CPT? No, wait. I Something don't know like what it that. is. Anyway, AI. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, know how the AI. To, the AI. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, I just found a company. Like I make transcripts for the podcast, but you know, this is something I never talk about that I always tell myself I should talk about. But each episode mm -hmm. of the podcast has a transcript. Yeah, I just found that out. Yeah, and it's online and you you can go listen to it. Each episode of the podcast has its own webpage on the juiceboxpodcast.com and there's a transcript there. But I just found a company uh who is more centric. Uh, to podcasting. So they're going to provide a transcript and then each episode will have its own chat bot. And you can really? ask that chat bot questions about the episode and it works surprisingly well. 
game changer. Yeah, so I'm going to start with the series. It's expensive, so I'm not doing the whole podcast right away, but I'm starting, I'm actually starting doing it today. Uh, after I record oh, wow. the, yeah, after I record the podcast, like I've got symbols on my ass and like I'm cooking with my left hand here. Uh, but, <laughs> but after I make this podcast with you, I'm actually going to upload the bold beginning series and get it translated into this audio and put chatbots up for it and everything. So that's part of what I'll be doing today. Oh, wow. That is so exciting. I can't wait to see it when it it's, uh, it's out. I yeah. have a lot of hope for it and my fingers crossed and I just sent them a lot of money last night. So it, it better work. I better be right about this. Um, I hope so, but I could see that being incredibly useful, Uh, especially, you know, for somebody that was newly diagnosed and and they're trying to put it out there, uh, learn about it. And it's, I don't know, it seemed like Google was working against me, but Mm -hmm. to have something text-based where they can search keywords and it, it, you know, hopefully directs them in some kind of way to where they can get help. Oh my God, dude. Right. It's my, my, if I only had that. I'm also pushing the company to, um, so right now you get a bot per transcript and I'm assuming that's why it's so damn accurate. But I I said to them, I'm like, if I could just like group together 20 transcripts, like for the whole series and the bot would go through the series, I'm like, it would be a big deal. And I am thinking by the way, Gregory, exactly on the lines that you are, which is, you know, imagine if you could go to an app, like imagine there was a juice box podcast app and you just could say, what does bolus mean? And you would get an an audio return and a a text return. And so if you wanted to go listen, Dude, you're blowing my mind. Yeah, I know. I've been I was so I'm tr- I've been trying to explain to people how cool this is, and no one like everyone's looking through me. Like I don't know. It seems like a waste of money. I'm like no, no. I'm like this is a thing. I already started talking to my my sons. Like my my sons. Like I want to start making apps uh, like on the side to like practice my coding. I'm like make an app for the podcast. I'm like, here's what I want. I want, yeah. I want you to be able to listen in the app. I want you to be able to, I want there to be widgets for fat and protein, for setting basal insulin, like that kind of stuff, like all in this one app. So anyway, I'm working on that. It's exp- oh man, it's expensive. Yeah, I, yeah. I need a real app. Like what I need, well, Gregory, is uh, to have saved the life of a child of an app developer. That's that's what I need. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> then I need them to send me a note and say, hey, I can make that app for you. Anyway, we'll we'll see what happens. There's got to be one. With your reach, there's got to be one. Just one kind app developer whose kid has a better life now because of me? Come on. Where are you at? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm working on it. I really am. It's mm. I, I think about this podcast a lot. So, and by extension, I'm thinking about the people who are listening and how to how to make things better for them. And I'm trying to make it future proof too. So that, cause I'm going to get old. Yeah. You know, so we'll see. I'm working on it. In your note, you talked about the importance of making friends with diabetes, both uh, parents and for your child. I was wondering what made you bring that up? Yeah. Well, we're still struggling with that, but you know, uh, like I mentioned earlier, we didn't really have, uh, anyone in the family that we could lean on. I did find out later that uh, I had a, a former brother-in-law who who had type one, but by that point we were we were already doing fairly well. But um, just having somebody to talk to about it, you know, not ne- even necessarily somebody that was more advanced, although that would be nice, you know, somebody mm-hmm. to give advice, but just somebody to talk to how difficult it is and just how life-changing and it's just. You know, I don't know if if 
my experience is unique. You know, I, I don't think that it was, but incredibly isolating. Um, so the positive thing was that I had my immediate family, you know, to kind of lean on in that time. And, you know, then they, you know, lean on me. And so, you know, between us, it, it kind of drew us closer together. But for my son, you know, like he's still the only type one in the family. And so he kind of feels uh, different, you know? Yeah, alone. Yeah. Yeah. And we've we've attempted to, you know, meet other kids or whatever. And, you know, that's nice, but. It's a little weird, right? To seek out a person just because they have diabetes. And then, like, what if they don't like the same movies as you or whatever? And you don't, like, you have nothing in common with them other than diabetes. Like, it's, it's a, is that what you're getting at? It's hard to find people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can tell you about that is that Arden knows one person with type 1 diabetes. Really? Yeah, personally, and she's never met her. They're friends online. Mm. And the only reason she knows her, I think, if I'm remembering the story correctly, is the girl thought, the girl reached to Arden on Instagram thinking she was reaching to the podcast. Uh, and that's how they met. And they're and they're very good friends. They just, oh wow. yeah, they just don't, they've never met each other in person. So. How uh, strange. Yeah. It's just the weirdness. Now she's, you know, she said like it, there's kids in high school who have had diabetes that she's never met before, even though the high school wasn't that big. At college, someone said something to her one day about like, oh, that's an insulin pump. I a friend of mine has diabetes, and she mentioned a person who she's like, oh, I know that person, like you know, tangentially, but I've never really like I'm not friendly with them, but they have type one. But she, yeah, she doesn't. Hmm. It, it's hard and. If I've learned one thing from the podcast is how valuable it is to have other people with type one in your life. And yeah. I, I think that, you know, I'm not a big, pro this is going to sound strange for me. I'm not a big proponent of replacing in real life with online, but yeah, in this situation, when it's such a specific ask, I can't say enough about that Facebook group and, and the friendships that I see people building in there and, you know, they end up mm. meeting each other in real life. And even if they don't meet, just seeing them interact online seems to be very comforting for people. Yeah. Yeah. Are you in that group? Uh, yeah, I am in the group. But incidentally, I, I don't really like Facebook very much either. So <laughs> uh, you're a boy, too. I think I am a boy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't but, love um, Facebook. <laughs> yeah. You know, once upon a time when I was younger, he used to go on Facebook a lot. Nah, just needless drama and like I don't care what you had for dinner. You know, I, I went on there like I kept it longer than I probably should have because you know you keep up with family or whatever. But um, I uh, I deleted it for like four years. And recently, I did turn it back on. I think it was actually to join the the podcast uh, group. I have to say, the private group for the podcast is the least dramatic place on Facebook I've ever seen. Um, which yeah. is also uncommon for diabetes groups, but, yeah. but we, um, very purposefully keep it that way. And yeah, like I saw something pop up the other day and I, you know, I think there's part of me that just believes like sometimes on Facebook it's drunk o'clock. And so people get a little, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. People get a little snippy at certain times, but as soon as it starts happening, I'm like, no, look, we're not doing this. Like, like be nice. And that's it. And I really, I don't remove comments 
unless you're not nice. And I know people are going to be like, well, yeah. who's the arbiter of what that is? And the answer is I am. Uh, but, you know, like yeah. if you're your group. Yeah. If, if there are people are being a jerk for no reason or they look like they're trying to pick a fight, I try to understand first. And then if it just mm-hmm. seems meaningless and 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 unkind for no reason, then I'll remove it. And I send them a nice little note that says, I need you to be nicer, like find a nicer way to say that or please don't say it. And you'd be yeah. surprised how being direct really works. You know, like like instead of being snippy back with them or whatever is people's inclination, I'm just very upfront. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we're not doing this. So and then people learn that that's not OK there. And then for the most part, it just doesn't happen. But anyway, like I'm not right. trying to push it towards it. It's just it's a thing I've learned running a massive group online, which is another thing I didn't yeah. think I would have to do uh, in my mm-hmm. life. But whatever. I'm, at one point, you didn't know you were going to be on a boat fixing a a hydraulic pump, but here you are. So this is true. Scary. I, I know you want to talk about transitioning uh, care, uh, and I and I want to actually finish up the episode with that. But first, I really want to ask you: Have you almost ever died? Have you ever seen anyone die? What's the scariest thing you've seen on that ship? So I have not almost died. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, it's fairly safe, and the vessels that I work on are you know in good repair. Uh, this vessel is actually the first one that I've been on that wasn't brand new when I came onto it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a little daunting working on something older, not in a bad way, but I have not seen anyone die. There was on the first vessel I ever worked on, someone did die, but they had a heart attack. It wasn't, you know, anything to do with the, uh, the vessel other than, you know, maybe they cooked them too much fried food. Um, but I wasn't there at the time. So Gregory, what do you do with the body? Well, we were at the dock at the time. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So they like they were just going to leave, and they were going to wake him up. He uh, was one of the office personnel, and you know he he didn't wake up. Oh, so. I was in my imagination is you're out in the ocean. You've got the body now. You need to keep it cold. So you wrap it in plastic and then drag it behind the boat. That was my idea. <laughs> well, on this vessel, mm-hmm. we have a enormous freezer, so I think that's probably the route. Wow, isn't that crazy? But nobody thinks of that when they take a job. One day I might be in the freezer. Yeah. All right. Is it a, is it as dangerous as television makes it seem? The the job itself of Alaskan fish. So I don't work on a crab boat. So like it's not like deadliest catch. You know, not to get on a soapbox about Alaskan fishing, but it's it's very different than the uh, the other aspects of the industry that I'm accustomed to. And dangerous would be the word that I would use. But, I mean, it's not like we're losing guys left and right or anything like that. It's just there's there's it's a weird situation. Uh, I don't fully understand it. But in the rest of the world, uh, there's a lot of safety laws and regulations that apply. One of them, you know, and there's... <laughs> They, they wrote entire books full of safety regulations, and they're written in red ink, uh, not literally, but because they're written in blood. You know, like these laws get passed because somebody died. Right. You know, um, one of them, and you know, I'm I'm going to try not to get on a huge soapbox about this, but one of them is called Solus, and it actually started because of the Titanic. Uh, so Solus stands for Safety of Life at Sea. And it's just laws saying, you know, there have have to be enough lifeboats for everybody. There have to be enough flotation devices for everybody. There has to be, you know, some sort of beacon that if 
you know, the vessel were down, like we could potentially locate the survivors, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm doing huge broad strokes on this, but it's just, you know, it seems like common sense stuff, but, you know, without writing it down, then people aren't going to do it. And out that Alaskan fishing doesn't apply How about that? to so those regulations. We used, uh, we used a different book in Alaska. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's really weird. You know, so like I come from, you know, this very professional world where, I mean, almost everything that you're required to do other than, you know, incidental breakdowns is, is written. I mean, you, you can look it up. Uh, and here it's just like the wild west. Oh yeah, we're fishing. It doesn't matter. As long as we're catching fish. And it's like, my goodness. Is it a, is it a good paying job for the people running the lines and, and throwing the nets and stuff? It, yeah, it can be a good paying job for sure. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I would imagine you'd have to pay me a, a reasonable amount to do something like that. Is it cold, yeah. by the way? Like, are you, is it cold there? I'm assuming yes, but. Yeah, so I, I'm reading about this record heat wave that's hitting the rest of the country, but it's 56 degrees outside right now. Wow. Yeah, It won't yeah. stop raining here. I mean, it's rained more this summer on the East Coast than, I don't know, 20 summers of my life combined, it feels like. It's just not, I wake up every day and it's been raining overnight. While you and I were talking for the first 20 minutes, I thought there was a freight train outside for a while. I just have a good microphone, so you're not going to hear it. But um, oh, nice. it, was, it was insane. Uh, just won't stop. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay. So y- the last thing you asked about is uh, transitioning care. So I'm wondering what, you know, what is it you're seeing and what is it you're trying to get to? I don't remember asking that question. (laughs) (laughs) You were like, at the end, Uh, I'd really like to ask you some questions about transitioning care, like from, you know, as he gets older. But that's okay if you don't remember. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Now I know. I thought you were talking. I wrote this a year ago, so (laughs) I hardly remember the guy. Who wrote that? This is my fault, Gregory, because the recordings I'm doing right now were scheduled as far out as I've ever scheduled a recording in my life. Um, I I made the mistake of like, I opened up July forward, like in, I forget, like September or something like that. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm recording with people now who are saying a lot. I can't believe I remembered to do this. (laughs) But so now I've, I've shortened the window. I've, I'm putting people off who are like, I want to get on the schedule. I'm like, now you got to wait till it gets closer to when I can actually do it. Um, but anyway, is that something that, I mean, it, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's been a thing. I guess what's your son's level of proficiency? Like how, how does he do on his own? He does very well now. You know, when I first signed up for this, I was just starting to try to, you know, give him a couple little response. Gotten a lot better to where, he can pretty much do it. He, he's not the best at counting his own carbs, but he can read the label and, and put it in there. Um, he's not the best about pre-bolusing. He says that he just doesn't like doing it. <laughs> well, you have to. <laughs> he doesn't like doing it? Tell him none of us like Five doing minutes. it. Yeah. <laughs> Give it a little. Craig, are you, you're breaking up a little bit now. That I think the ship might be um, underwater. Ah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> we, yeah it, it's the first time it's it, listen we've been at this 50 minutes this is the first time it's been like any kind of a real issue 
Um, but you said you started to give him some responsibility. Yeah. And he doesn't like the pre-bolus, but he's doing well with label reading, stuff like that. Uh, I, I said, yeah. you tell him that none of us like to pre-bolus. Um, I don't, <laughs> think, I don't think that'll make him feel any better, but, um, but yeah, it, I mean, so common stuff, honestly, a nine-year-old an almost nine-year-old who's had diabetes for three years, if they're reading labels and can understand how to count carbs and understand that pre-bolusing is important, even though they can't accomplish it, I think you're right about where I would expect you to be. Oh, yeah. I'm happy with where we are. Um, but when I wrote that thing, I was I was terrified to ever let him do it, you know? Yeah. like It's just like, how, how do I ever let go and like let him do this, knowing he's not going to do like what I've been doing, you know, because I have at, by that point years of experience. And so, you know, the question was like, how'd you like, how, <laughs> how'd yeah. you let go? But then I did it. So it, it's yeah. not so bad. It's one of um, those things where if you're in that situation that you were in, you would think, Scott, I need a five episode series on transfer of care, how to let go, how to blah, blah. And the truth is, is they get older. Yeah. You teach them stuff, they learn it, and then life goes on and that's how it is. And it, yeah, wor- it just and happens. It, and it just happens. Yeah. I, yeah. It, you're not, there's, um, there, there's this idea that I think really plagues younger parents or parents of younger people. And it, that idea is that all of their decisions are somehow mapping out another person's life. And while that is yeah. true-ish, it's not as specific as you hope it is when you're doing it. It's not like I'll say this now so that they do that. All the stuff that happens, it, it when you if you reverse trace it back to how it worked out, it's never the way you thought. Like you never get yeah. where you're going on purpose. There's like simple consistencies. You know, be consistent, be um available, uh, you know, offer love. Like these basic ideas about parenting, they're the ones you need. Like the specifics, like you're not a puppet master. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that people who try to do stuff like that end up really just manipulating people. And mm-hmm. and I don't know that mani- you can manipulate people into doing the right thing. I mean, if you could, the world might be a better place. And I, I just doesn't seem like you can do that. So, yeah, my answer yeah. is also my answer is some of your kids are going to suck at this when they get older. Yeah. And I don't know that that's anybody's fault either. But certainly if you don't do the things which to me are just, I, I hate using uh, therapy words, but like you model good behaviors and you stay consistent yeah. and that's how you teach your kids to do stuff. It's, I mean, it's not really that hard or confusing, um, but I do know why you were scared about it because I was really scared about it too for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I had this podcast and people were asking me, like the very, um, a very common question for people to ask me is, oh yeah, well, you're good at it, but how are you going to teach that to her? And for years, I would answer repetition. We're going to do it over and over again. We're going to talk about it. We're going to, you know, just set this as an expectation. And I think she'll pick Mm -hmm. it up. And people would like, a lot of people would be like, yeah, well, good luck. Let's see that happen. I actually, the first time I spoke in public, Gregory, about diabetes, I'm never going to forget this. I was up on stage giving my little chit chat. And there was a, another person in the room watching me from the back. So other people with diabetes um, like to sit in my talks and scowl at me while I'm talking. 
Okay. It's a lot of fun. Um, like, yeah. and I don't mean just people with diabetes. I mean like people who think of themselves as people who talk at those things. Ah, uh, because I would show up at them and talk much differently than everybody else was. Right. And I would talk about like, look, here's some standard things you can do that will make your blood sugars more stable and your A1Cs lower and you can do these things. And they'd sit in the back and go, hmm, this isn't right. And I've had diabetes for 30 years and blah, blah, blah. Like these are some of these people like believe in brittle diabetes still and stuff like that. And so, yeah. so I remember this person who was as popular in the diabetes space online as a person could be. And mm -hmm. I got done speaking and I, I was just trying to get to a glass of water coming off stage. Like I was thirsty and they cut mm -hmm. me down as I was walking and like not quite finger in my chest, but pretty close. I have a question. And I was like, uh, all right, what's up? I was like, can we have answer this question over by the table of water? But whatever. <laughs> and this is all well and good, but I grew up with diabetes and it's not that easy to be taught and blah, blah, blah. And what I realized was this person was angry that they didn't have the experience I was describing and yeah. that their life was harder because of it. And I mm -hmm. felt, I felt like very compassionate towards them while they were talking because they were mad at me, but I realized they were mad at maybe their own mom or right life or, or whatever yeah, or whatever it was yeah, yeah. something and that's mm. not going to work and you're giving these people hope that you know their kids are going to be okay and they're not going to be and i'm like oh i think you're wrong about that but yeah you know thanks for coming and uh i won't be at your talk later <laughs> <laughs> yeah i suppose that comes with the territory as being some i mean it's it feels weird to say groundbreaking right but like just changing the the status quo right in a better way you know it's weird all i really did like in the beginning of all this all i'm all i could take credit for is that i said the things out loud that other people wouldn't say out loud that's all yeah that's all i did plenty of people know how to pre-bolus their meals and mm -hmm. they do it for themselves back then and if you ask them hey should i take my insulin a certain amount of time before i eat they would they would not answer because they'd think, well, I don't want you to take your insulin and then get low, and then that'll be my fault for bringing it up. Right. I looked at that same scenario, and I said, it's inconscionable to know these things and not tell somebody else about them and let them struggle for yeah. their whole life. So I didn't make up pre-bolusing, uh, but I very well may have been one of the first people who was willing to say it out loud consistently. And, yeah. you know, that's pretty much it. So... I mean, look how silly that is. You I, listen, you pre-bolus your meals, your A1C goes down a point. Yeah. You know, more maybe, but then you'll start seeing how insulin works and you'll start making better decisions about insulin. And before you know it, you'll have more stability all over the 24 hour period that you're living every day and on and on and on. And that's how you learn. You learn by having the tools. Like there were these tools for diabetes. They were locked in a bag. Nobody would let you have them. And so you're beating on a yeah. nail, you're beating on a nail with your wrist trying to get it to go in. And, you know, it doesn't work that way. So you give up because you don't want a bloody wrist. Yeah. It's not that is honestly, like, I'm happy to take credit for how good the podcast is and how much it helps people and all that stuff. But I didn't say anything crazy, you know, so I just a lot of people just weren't willing to talk. And uh, it, yeah. honestly, I'm not mad at them, but I mean, maybe I am a little. Like you had a platform, like for the last 15 years, people have had different platforms, blogs, 
They've had speaking engagements. You know, Greg, you've got me upset now. I apologize for that. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's all right. I was online. I ye- get up in arms too. <laughs> I, I yeah. was online yesterday, and this big organization was making a big deal about research that, oh my gosh, like we've got to do something. It's 2023. We've got to do mm-hmm. something. Research shows that most people can't achieve a 7A1C. What are we going to do? And I thought, who is most people? Research tells them that most people with type 1 yeah. diabetes are, have an A1C of over 7. We don't know. And, and they will wring their hands about that. And they will raise money right. off of that. And they will spend money. And they will do research. And they'll piss the next 10 years away off of that. And the answer right. is, give them a free podcast. Or A1C will go in the sixes. Yeah. But nobody's going to say that out loud. I, it's my no. job and everyone's job listening to share it with people because those people who are actually who could actually ch- share in a minute with every doctor on the planet, they're not going to do that. They're just going to sit around going, what was me? Diabetes is hard. People don't do well. What are we going to do? How are we going to help them? It's unknowable. I mean, I guess right. that's, like, just, that's the, just diabetes. That's I just hate diabetes. That. Right. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. It's, it's the way you talk about it. And if you don't and if that person does know and isn't sharing, then I am mad at them. And if they don't know, and they're doing this, then it's just upsetting that this is how the world works, where new people come into a space over and over again, find the same old problem, and leave before they fix it. And then the next Mm -hmm. person comes in and thinks they've discovered something amazing. You know, I don't know. Anyway, it's bureaucracy and I don't know. I'm really. It's it's a bit of just society and people as a whole, and and, you know, not to bring up the same person twice, but Jordan, Doctor Jordan Peterson, talks about this. (laughs) Some people get a lot of social currency out of pity or feeling sorry for them, or you know, oh, what was me? Mm. And believe it or not, it actually makes them happy to talk about how hard they have it. And I'm not saying that you know all these people are doing that, but it's surprisingly common, and it's more common today than it was 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, in the end, there's a very common business saying, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. And most people are, they're so great at telling you what's wrong, but they don't, they don't do anything about how to fix it. It's just always, this is what's wrong. This is what's wrong. I'll go tell everybody this is what's wrong. They'll agree with me. And then we'll be in this kinship of, uh, complaining or whatever and and we'll all we'll all feel better because it's happening to you and it's happening to me and therefore i mean listen no lie like i i used to say on the podcast all the time like it's nice to know because this is what i used to think about blogging like people blogged about diabetes and they they were able to share experiences and other people could see oh other people are going through this too which by the way is very comforting and it's valuable but what I would expand on normally is it's nice to know that you're not the only one up at 2 a.m. trying to stop a low blood sugar. But wouldn't it be better if your blood sugar didn't get low at 2 a.m.? And why don't we talk yeah. about that instead? Yeah, I'm not familiar with the doctor you're, you're saying, but like those two things make a lot of sense to me that you brought up so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, you know, do do something. Stop complaining. Just do something. Mm. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I'm very upset now, Gregory. <laughs> We got to stop. I'm sorry I got you there. No, I don't know what uh, you I w- did. I just wanted free crab legs, <laughs> and now none of that's even going to happen. 
What? <laughs> hey, uh, I have one question. I'm in a bar. Shoot. I've got Alaskan, okay. King, and Dungeness. Which should I go? They're all the same. Really? Yeah. Just crab meat? Well, uh, it's the same crab. Wait, what are you saying? A Dungeness crab and an Alaskan King crab are not the same crab? No? I thought they were the same. I don't believe There's, so. Or actually, King. I think Alaskan King crab is actually several different breeds of crab. And I'm just eating the legs, Jim. But you better stick to the motors. Yeah, we don't want you involved in the seafood too much. Eh, I'm not the fisherman. I just... (laughs) Oh, my God. I have to stop myself from calling this episode the Gorton's Fisherman, which I won't do, but... (laughs) Oh, I I don't identify as a fisherman. I'm I'm an engineer. No, no. Had you gotten the crab question a little better, I don't know what I would have done. But, um, Mm. yeah, so, all right. Well, then we all are just picturing Quint and the steam coming off the motor and you down there banging on it, trying to get away from the shark. By the way, sharks, are they as scary as I think they are? I've only actually ever seen one in the career. And by the time I came up on deck, uh, they'd already you know pulled the teeth out and it was pretty beat up. No. Oh, they caught it by mistake or on purpose? Yeah. Yeah, they caught it by mistake. It just, you know, just got stuck in there. But it was pretty big, you know, easily eight feet long. Wow. That scared the hell out of me. Yeah. How old are you? 36. Yeah, see, there's a small group of us in our 50s whose parents took us to see Jaws when we were like five or six years old. Um, oh, I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see it when you were five? Because I was pretty young. Yeah. There used to be this little creek that ran behind the apartment I grew up in. And I had a reoccurring dream that that shark would stand up on its feet, walk out of that creek, and come and kill my family. So that was a yeah. lot of fun. <laughs> Jason. I saw a thing, I believe it was a documentary, but uh, I don't know. But they've directly attributed that movie with uh, the fact that great white sharks are now endangered. Like people hunted them <laughs> because, like, well, I'm not going to get caught by jaws. And uh, now they're a protected species. Well, Gregory, that makes a lot of sense because what you don't know about me is in my free time, I, um, I actually am hunting Godzilla. So for a very, very similar reason. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that in the movie and I was like, we've got to do something about this. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I've been after it. Clearly, it's an issue. Yeah. If I wasn't making the podcast, I think I'd have him by now. But um, it's just takes up a lot of my time. So I'm I'm not able to. Uh, All right. That Uh, in uh, Lake Placid, you know, people are going after the gators. Really? No, no, that can't be true. (laughs) What a bad movie. Oh, my God. You know, a lot of bad movies. Good for you. Uh, (laughs) All right. I have a bit of free time on the boat to watch movies and read books. How do you exercise on the boat? Uh, Well, different vessels have different stuff. But for the most part, we do have exercise equipment. Uh, I prefer to use kettlebells because they're small and you can carry them around. and Mm -hmm. It's not so bad. But uh, the vessel I was on prior to this had a full rogue fitness set, you know, squat rack, uh, bench press, you know, had the, the, the whole apparatus, we had a whole gym set up. It was nice. How big is it? How long from, is it stem to stern? Am I saying that right? Yeah, we can go with that. Yeah. How, <laughs> how, how, how long is the ship? Like how many, did they measure them by feet or they do measure it in feet. Uh, so the one that I'm on now is 244. Uh, the vessel I was on prior to this was an articulated tug and barge, which is like a, a tug and barge unit, but they're married. They they never really uh, come apart. That one, the the tug was 140, but the barge was, I believe, 650. 
Hmm. And then the vessel is on prior to that was around 280 feet. 240 is like 80 yards. It's like a football field. No, that can't be right. That's not right. 244 feet equals 81 yards. Am I getting that wrong? No, you're right, but maybe you're wrong. Doesn't seem like it's that big. I like, you know, is it really as long as a football field? It's not as wide. (laughs) (laughs) It feels small to me. How long does it take you to walk from one to the other? A couple of minutes. Okay. All right. I don't know. I, I think you're insane for getting on the water in something you can't escape from immediately. But that's just how I grew up in my mind. So I don't understand people who get on boats at all, if I'm being 100% honest. Um, not it's even, a job like yeah. any other. It's not so bad. Yeah. Even a lake. You couldn't get me on a 12-foot pleasure cruise. Like for I grew up with the Gilligan's Island. I don't want to have to eat coconuts for the rest of my life. <laughs> Coconut is delicious. You'll love it. Yeah, for the first day. And then what? <laughs> then what? And I, and it, you know what I mean? Like the old man was rich and he wanted everybody to take care of him. I can't be involved in all that, Gregory. I tried to do this with Arden the other day. I said, uh, Go on a boat? No, I tried to get her to recollect that she knew anything about Gilligan's Island, which she absolutely does uh-huh. not. And I said, Just tell me, how long was the tour? And she goes, What? I'm like, In Gilligan's Island. And then I'm like, and The song I'm singing the song. And she's like, I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. And I'm like, ah, oh. like they say the length of the tour twice in the in the in the yeah. opening. And she's she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, ah, oh, never mind. I got angry. I was like, well, it was a three hour tour. And I walked. Yeah, away. it was three hours. <laughs> Everybody knows that. <laughs> exactly. I was so upset yeah. she didn't know. <laughs> her friend is over. They're like studying. It's summertime. Like Arden's making clothing, and her friend's studying for something. And um. And I just looked at both of them. I was like, you miserable little kids. Like, just watch Gilligan's Island one time. Like, I don't know how long I'd make it through an episode if I tried to watch it now. Probably about eight minutes before I was like, oh, what am I doing? But anyway, uh, Gregory. What show was this? Gilligan's Island. Oh, okay. All right. It cut out for a second, so I I lost a bit. That's okay. Uh, Is there anything we haven't talked about that we should have? I'm going to wrap up. Uh, There's a couple things. (laughs) What do you got? Bring it up. Uh. So, you know, just something that I, I wanted to mention is that there there is another loop out there that's not on iPhone. It's called Android APS, and that's what we use. You had talked about your looping with, with Arden, and, you know, I looked up loop, and it's for iPhone only. I was like, oh, I guess I don't get to do that. That sucks. Uh, but then I had an experience, you know, not to make a, a short story long, but I was working a job, and I ended up having to quit that job because... You know, my son had an emergency and I had to come home, and, which, you know, wasn't great. But uh, I left, you know, I got another job. There's plenty of jobs out there, so that's fine. And then I was like, well, you know, I just can never go anywhere else. I just have to stay, you know, at this particular job that I had at the time. Uh, but then I found out that Android APS exists. I don't know how I found it, but I did find it. And so, you know, I went in and I built the app and, and you know, made a loop and it changed everything. You know, like we thought we were doing fairly well. Uh, and we were staying consistently consistency A1Cs in the sixes, and we got down to like the high fives as soon as we got onto the uh, yeah. the algorithm. So just the Android app is called Android APS for everybody out there, and it is extensively talked about in episode nine hundred and twenty four called APS Wookie. Yeah, I listened yes. to that one. Yeah, which I got to look up that guy's blog because what he's doing is amazing. Like he 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 doesn't. Bolus, he just how did you do that? That's amazing. You uh, just put in your carbs and it sounds like wizardry to me. 
there's that, and there is the one, uh, what episode was it, where a guy was talking about how he thinks location services and some other things are going to revolutionize how people bolus one day, meaning that, mm-hmm. uh, and AI, like, meaning that you could go to a pizza hut on, like, Fifth Avenue and 7th Street, and you would bolus for it and have an experience and a a need for insulin and then go to a different pizza place, maybe a different time, have a different experience and that the algorithm could remember the two and that he believes one day you'll go and say, I'm having pizza and you know, it will remember which pizza place you're at by your location services and then adjust your insulin based on your location and past experiences. And he was talking about it like, he's like, that's just very doable. And I'm like, all right, man, like, get to work. You, you know what I mean? Like, if you yeah, yeah get, get going. I, that was, I can't believe I can't remember what episode that was, because that one fascinated me. Yeah, that's that scares me. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> like, like, you know, all my big brother, you know, government's watching alarms are going off. Like, no, don't do that. <laughs> nah, they're not watching you. They don't care about you. Um, where is that episode? <laughs> I can't find it. I'm, you know what the one of the problems is? Is I have so many episodes that yeah. <laughs> when I search my own website, I'm like, oh, it could be any number of twenty of those. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, like I don't know if that'll ever happen or not. But when he was talking about it, I was really like, wow, that's really crazy. Like that idea of like, I mean, forget even location. Like, imagine if you told it, you know, I'm at the pizza place up the street from my house, and it knew you're going to eat two slices of pizza from there because that's about what you usually do. And it's X amount of insulin and you, yeah. you get a rise at this time and blah, blah, blah. But that, that is literally different at a different place eating the same food. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how, again, like uh, that's beyond my pay grade, but that anybody even thought about that was amazing. And back to your APS Wookiee, um, that he's got his loop set up. So he's not really announcing meals ahead of time. Or even yeah. or even putting in insulin, right? His his algorithm is set up in a way that when his blood sugar starts to go up, it like stops it. Yeah, yeah. It, am I, am I remembering that right? Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. That's what I heard. Yeah, I, that's crazy stuff. So anyway, that's yeah. hopefully where the future is going. Um, I hope so. Yeah, it would be lovely. What else? What else did I not let you talk about? I should have forgotten. I was just, <laughs> I was, I was so stuck on the Android APS thing. I just wanted everybody to know. Yeah. Oh, it's excellent. Yeah. If you have Android, check out Android APS. If you, you know, want to check yeah. out Loop, you know, there are a lot of DIY uh, options out there right now, and they're aggressively good. Arden's using Loop three right now, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean it's terrific. So all this stuff is terrific. It's it, it and it's all in its infancy. And it uh, should be very exciting for people who, who have type 1 diabetes or love somebody who does. There's work being done right now about getting pumps and algorithms on people with type 2 diabetes, these injectable uh, you know, semaglutide drugs, GLP-1s are crazy effective. Um, mm-hmm. I know type 2s using it, whose A1Cs are coming down. I'm on a GLP-1. I've lost 27 pounds in 16 weeks. I don't even have diabetes and it works for me. I'm using Wegovi, which is specifically for weight loss. Like this yeah. seems like the the beginning of something here. So I hope so. And you know, it feels like, you know, this is 2023, they're 
should be more development. But I'm just glad that it's being developed now. And, you know, I just I hope there comes a day where there's more open and free information out there, you know, and I'm, I'm very glad that you're putting it out there. And that's, that's wonderful. But there really should be like a pamphlet at the, the doctor's office, like, hey, you know, we're not condoning this, but there's a podcast you can listen to. And here's a list of books, you know, that people get good results out of and blah, 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 you know, mm-hmm. if not offering a class like, hey, did you know pre-bolus was a thing? Like, do you know what a bolus is? Yeah, like before you walk out of there, like it's just, it, I just don't give It does tools. seem like there's I a better way. To, yeah, it does seem like there's a better way to do this, doesn't it? Right, and yeah. it's so basic. Yeah, I know. Like now that we're doing it, it's like, it's it's not hard at all. Yeah, and I hear it in your voice too. It's upsetting, right? If you don't, if you don't, find a podcast it's a ridiculous thing forget it's my podcast for a second if you don't find a podcast your kids a1c is what in the sevens or the eights you don't know what you're doing you're scared all the time it's getting high he's getting low um it it really changes the course of his and your life and right for the love of a little bit of information like a little bit of how-to and a little bit of understanding um Mm -hmm. and and everyone knows it and doesn't do anything about it or they don't know that those are the two levels of, I mean, you get you get three different doctors. You get the one that knows. There's plenty of doctors who tell people about the podcast, like, but you either get one that knows and they share it with you. You get one that doesn't know, and so you're just led to believe this is it, or you get the ones that know and don't tell people. They don't want to be the reason you have a low blood sugar, so they'd rather you be high your whole life and have a different problem later than be. You know, like, oh, I told them to pre-bolus and they got low and now they're mad at me. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. You got to have a little more. If you're going to be in this line of work, you should maybe have a little more balls. You know what I mean? Right. That's all. All right. You know, just give medical advice. Yeah. So Gregory, what's the rest of the day? Like you're off your shifts done, right? Yeah, I'm done now. So what do you do for the rest of the day? Uh, I might read for a little bit and then just go to sleep and do it all over again tomorrow. Gotcha. Does the time go by quickly, the two and a half months, or is it drag? Uh, some days are quicker than others. You know, it tends to to drag a bit. Certainly, my first day was a whole lot longer than my last day. I'll mm-hmm. promise you that. But, you know, you keep busy, have your little projects, and before you know it, the clock spins, and it's, it's time for you to be done. You know, mm-hmm. then, of course, there's those days where everything goes wrong all at once. <laughs> <laughs> And it just doesn't feel like there's enough hours in the day to, yeah. to make it happen, but you do. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm I appreciate it. I uh, I'm a big fan of seafood, and so thank you. <laughs> and a problem. Yeah, I do. I really but do appreciate I, it. I have nothing to do with that part. I just keep them keep them moving. Well, it sounds like if the boat didn't move, they wouldn't be catching the food. So uh, sounds pretty it, important. There'd be me. less, <laughs> right? Because there'd be people banging on things with hammers, going, "Why won't it work?" <laughs> Yeah, or bloodying their hands on nails and being like, I was told this was the way. I was told this was the tool. I can't believe it's not fascinating. Well, I appreciate yeah. you bringing stuff back around at the end, Gregor. That was very nice. Um, if you <laughs> if you hold on for one second, I just need to talk to you before we say goodbye. Take your time. Yep. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G V O K E G L 
U-C-A-G-O-N.com forward slash juicebox. The episode you just heard was professionally edited by Wrong Way Recording. WrongWayRecording.com If you're looking for community around type 1 diabetes, check out the Juicebox Podcast private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. But everybody is welcome. Type 1, type 2, gestational, loved ones, it doesn't matter to me. If you're impacted by diabetes and you're looking for support, comfort, or community, check out Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. If you're not already subscribed or following in your favorite audio app, please take the time now to do that. It really helps the show. And get those automatic downloads set up so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.